0: Good morning. We read from Matthew 2. It's not your worship folder, but this is what it says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Jesus both entered this world and exited this world as King of the Jews. Says in when he was um, being crucified, Pilate also wrote an inscription, put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. In order to understand Jesus' mission and his passion, in order to understand what he wanted to accomplish, it's helpful to see him through Jewish eyes, and this is where Isaiah helps us. And So we're taking some passages from Isaiah's prophecy, made 700 years before Jesus came, and through Isaiah's eyes, the eyes of a Jewish prophet, we get to see Jesus more clearly and understand what his mission was and how that relates to us. Look what it says in Isaiah 52, verses 13 through 15. It's in your worship folder if you care to follow along. It's what Isaiah writes. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings kings. Shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. Again, writing 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Isaiah prophesied that a servant of God would come, a unique servant, and he, one who would act on God's behalf and would complete his mission in doing so, says, my, ser- my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. Isaiah indicates, though, that in the course of fulfilling this mission, this servant would pay a great price in doing so. It says, as many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, And his form beyond that of the children of man, so shall he sprinkle many nations. When it says people were astonished, many were astonished at you, the word astonished really means appalled or horrified. When you look at somebody and see something you don't want to see, something horrifying, that's the servant would accomplish his mission, but in doing so would be in a position where people would look at him and and have to look away and again, seven hundred years before Christ came, all these prophecies made concerning Jesus um, in the physical realm, reproduction is painful now, i wouldn 't know about that, but women would in the spiritual world, the same thing is true when Somebody reproduces life, extends life to someone else, there is a price that's paid. And this servant, who would allow individuals to experience life, would pay a price in doing so. What will his mission be? It says this, he will sprinkle many nations. He will sprinkle many nations. What exactly does that mean, to sprinkle nations? When God sprinkles nations... He includes them in covenants. A covenant is an agreement between either people or, in this case, between God and us. And in covenants, God establishes and makes promises that are binding promises that he enters into with people. To sprinkle is to include somebody in one of these covenants look what it says in your worship folder it talks about when moses was on mount sinai and in in god extending the the covenant to the israelites the one that had the ten commandments well here's what it says then he took the book of the covenant which indicates the promises that god was making and the commandments that he was making as well He took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And all that the Lord has spoken, the people said, we will do and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it or sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you, in accordance with all these words. So Moses told them what God was saying, and they said, Okay, we're in. And then what he did, he took blood and sprinkled it on them. And this sprinkled blood on them meant that they were then included in this covenant, that God would keep his promises to them, promises both to bless And in this case, and to curse, which was part of that, Isaiah predicts that the coming Savior would sprinkle nations. There's two groups of people in the Bible. There are the children of Abraham. They're also called the sons of Israel. They are Israelites. They're also called Jews. And then there are the nations. The nations are the goyim. The non-Jews. And so, what's going to happen? Isaiah predicts that this servant of God is going to sprinkle. But the people he will sprinkle will not be individuals who are of his race. He will be king of the Jews. But the people he would sprinkle will not be Jews. He will sprinkle the nations. The nations are the Goyim. They are the Gentiles. They're non-Jews. And um, that's what we learn. Um, Therefore, remember, uh, and just so you know, prior to Jesus coming, the only people who were sprinkled with blood were Jews. The covenant from Mount Sinai was sprinkled on Jewish people. What Isaiah predicts is this servant will come, and he will sprinkle people, but he will sprinkle, again, nations. Um, the Prior to that, the only individuals who were sprinkled were Jews. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians 2. It says, Paul writes, Therefore remember that you were at that time, and this is the time before Jesus, and here's what it says. At that time you were separated from Christ, alienated, from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, to not be one of the sprinkled people was to not be in covenant relationship to God. It means that there were no promises that he made. Specifically that you could claim you weren't included in them and said what Paul writes as a Jew prior to Jesus coming. We didn't have the benefit of being in relationship with God within a covenant. And uh, but then what it says is that in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off. Have been brought near by the blood of Christ to be sprinkled is to be brought near. And here's why Jesus came. So as the one appointed by God as God, you could be sprinkled, you could be God's covenant people, you could be individuals to whom God would make promises, promises that he would keep, promises made by blood oath that God would never break, and that's where we find ourselves because of what Christ did. He sprinkled the nations. He sprinkled the Gentiles. He brings us into covenant relationship. Uh, the blood that God sprinkles is the blood of the new covenant. Remember what Jesus said. You've heard it a number of times. If you've experienced communion, and all of us have it one time or another, it says, Jesus said, this cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. And the reason why Jesus comes and dies, the thing that communion signifies, is God making a covenant with individuals with whom he had not made a covenant before. Us, Gentiles, non-Jews, we are enfolded in a blood oath, a binding covenant. This is what communion, again, celebrates. So uh, that's what his mission will be. Jesus will come to sprinkle people. And the question is, what promises are applied to us? Okay, so we get sprinkled, and what promises does God make to us? And look what it says in the New Covenant. Hebrews 8, it says, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. There's a couple of clauses, there's really three of them. And these are the promises that God makes. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. What difference does it make? that God promises to create responsiveness in us. When he puts his law in our mind and writes it on our hearts, he brings us to a place where he promises that he will foster responsiveness. It says, I will be their God and they will be my people. Before this, the people of God were children of Abraham, sons of Israel. But what he says, I will be their God, not just them, the Gentiles. And this is what he says. He will be your God, wants to be your God. And you, his people, you as sheep of his pasture, somebody that he would always regard, always watched over. He says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousnesses and will remember their sins no more. I guess here's a question. What difference would it make if we believe that, that God promises in a binding covenant That he would create responsiveness in you. He would put his law on your mind and write it on your heart. That he would be your God and you would be his child. That he would be merciful, literally. We talk about this word, it's a Greek word, helios. Helios means well to be benevolent, favorable, merciful. That's what the word means, what he promises. I will be helios to their unrighteousnesses. I will be gracious, benevolent, merciful, and kind to them when they are unrighteous. And what this covenant promises is that our sins cannot break us from this covenant bond. That when we do wrong things, he doesn't separate from us. That's what the covenant indicates. And when he sprinkles, well, that's... He brings us into that agreement. So I guess a question then is, um, does that mean that everybody's, does this covenant apply to everyone? He sprinkles nations. Is there anything that we have to do in order for this covenant to apply to us? Everybody go to heaven? Everybody in covenant relationship with God? What is our responsibility And there is some, what it says, initially, when God made this covenant, he indicated, well, look what it says in Genesis, Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. That's what he said, fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven, number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, "Shall, shall your offspring be? Here's what what God told Abraham. He picked an individual, picked Abram. At this point, he's introducing himself to the world through a figure, through Abram. And this is what he says to this one who at this time is 75, no kids. You're not even going to be able to count your descendants, he said to Abram. And through you, every nation in the world will be blessed. And so Abram hears this promise and he but it says, he believed the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. So what do we need to do to make this ours? A couple things. You do. You need to hear the promise. And you need to believe it. You hear it and believe it. And it applies. That's how we cause these promises to become ours. We hear them. And believe them. Um, And that's what um, God promised to bless the Gentiles through the children of Abraham. And Abraham believed this promise. In order to be included in the covenant, we need to do what Abraham did. Again, what did Abraham do? He believed. That's it. If you believe it and you stay in believing it, you think about it. It starts to change you. You know what God promised you? And Isaiah predicted that Jesus would come to do this, to sprinkle you and to enfold you in a covenant promise, a much greater covenant than was made from Mount Sinai. When Moses sprinkled people, Jesus' blood sprinkles us, and the things he says, he'll put his law in your mind and write it on your heart. And you know what he wants you to do? Believe it, that he promises to create responsiveness in you. You say, I don't feel very responsive. It's pretty good it's not your responsibility then, isn't it? He says, I will be your God and you will be my children. He wants you to believe it. He says, I will be gracious, merciful, benevolent, and favorable to you when you sin. He promises that sin doesn't disconnect us from him. That sounds, is that true? That's what he says. And Jesus sprinkles us so that that might be the case. And these promises to be made responsive, to be in relationship to God, that he forgives sins and remembers our sins no more. What do we need to do to make these ours? We need to believe them. And to believe them, we need to think about them. What do you think about God? What do you think about when you think about God? Thinking about how he's counting your sins? All the things he's waiting to punish you for? Do you hear anything about punishment in this covenant? This is a binding covenant. Do you hear anything about punishment here? I don't read anything about it. He creates responsiveness. You'll be his child. He'll forgive your unrighteousness and remember your sin no more. Um, what if you believed it? What if you thought about it? Focused on it? What if you thanked him for it? God, thank you that you create responsiveness in me. Thank you <laughs> that You sent your son so that I could be in a covenant relationship with you, so you could sprinkle me. And that your promise that you will be non-reactive, favorable to my unrighteousness and remember my sins no more. It says that Abraham, in the last verse, Romans 4, believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are unrighteous. Are not credited, counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the godly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Do you know what God made a covenant with us and determined to reach out to us? When we were outies, before Christ, only Jews were inies; Gentiles were outies. We had no place. We weren't doing good things. We weren't acting. Godly, we were acting ungodly. And when you, when we, when Gentiles were ungodly, not doing what he said, at that point God said, you know what I'm going to do to you? I am going to sprinkle you. I'm going to send my son to sprinkle you. And here's the deal. If you if you hear why I sent him, and if you believe it, the covenant that he wants to sprinkle you with will apply to you. And I will be your God. And I will cause you to know me. And I will forgive your unrighteousnesses and remember your sins no more. Uh, We, What he wants us to believe, God doesn't include us when we become godly. That's not when he included us in this covenant. That's not when he planned it. He planned to include us when we weren't godly. That make a difference? I think it does. I think it does. That's what he would have us. That's why Jesus came. So we saw a couple things. Faith is important, and faith believes in promises. Covenant promises. That's what faith focuses on. Covenant promises. What are we supposed to have faith in, Mike? Covenant promises. What are those promises? Well, the new covenant promises are what God involves us in. And again, he he puts his law in your mind and writes it on your heart. You're God and you are his son and daughter. And he is Helios to your unrighteousness and remembers your sins no more. What do you put faith in? One two, three. You put faith in that. That's what we saw. Faith is in promises and that's how the promises become ours. Um, and that's the message that Jesus came as the Son of God to communicate to us, to Gentiles, so that we could be included in his forever family. Break come on up. We have a final song. I invite you to um, hang around afterwards. We have some great cookies. It's minus one little chocolate ball that I needed, I just needed for your benefit to make sure that they were okay. I just invite you to hang around. Head back there and there's a bunch of cookies and we can just give attaboys to the kids and to those who work with them. But let me pray for us. Uh, God, thanks for the promises that you sent Jesus to enfold us with that you would put your law on our minds and write it on our hearts, that we would be your children you would be our God, that you would be helios, gracious, favorable, benevolent, merciful to our unrighteousnesses, and remember our sins no more. And when you make covenant promises, what you want us to do is to believe them. So I guess I ask that we would be mindful of the promises, that we would keep them in our thoughts week after week after week after week after week, and that we would continue to believe them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for coming.